0: Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones, and this is episode 35. In today's episode, we're gonna discuss fear biting in dogs, and what you can do about it. Bee pollen, a super nutrient, and all of the healing benefits. The new research showing that when animals attack, people are largely to blame, and an essential oil that works great for both dogs and cats. Now that Veterinary Secrets is on iTunes. Go to iTunes and search for Veterinary Secrets. We're also on Stitcher. Once again, you can go to Stitcher, search for Veterinary Secrets. If you've yet to do so, I'd encourage you to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. And lastly, if you've yet to do so, I encourage you to get a copy of my free book and three free videos at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. If you have a dog that bites, it's probably fear-based. You're likely wondering exactly what you can do to stop it. This unwanted dog behavior is often confused with dominance aggression when it is really far from it. In this podcast, I'm going to give you a thorough explanation of what fear biting is, including the subtle signs and common causes. Your dog is reacting based on the fight or flight response and the result can be biting. I'll go go over the precise training steps you can be taking along with the natural remedies that can help for dog aggression. When your dog bites out of fear or anxiety he's reacting to panic with a rush of adrenaline in his body. Fear biting is the end result of your dog not being able to think in a very stressful situation and responding inappropriately. Think about the last time you were in a very stressful situation such as someone cutting off while driving. Your mature response would be to let it go while you're in Mature fear response is to fight and drive more aggressively, as an example. Your fear biting dog is reacting with much the same emotions. A common misconception is that fear biters come from some abusive situation. This can be the case, but for most of the time it's not. There are there is normally shy and nervous dogs, as with people, and these dogs can develop fear aggression if not properly socialized. In some cases, even proper socialization still produces a fear biter. In my experience, the biggest trigger in these dogs is them just never learning to. To trust. They never developed a strong bond with a single patient owner. Often when a dog bites out of fear, here- He's doing so in response to people who don't understand what the fearful dog is trying to communicate. Your dog may have his ears back, his head's down, maybe growling, backing away, and the less informed person decides to comfort the scared dog. When a person gets too close to a fearful, anxious dog, it causes them to be even more nervous. The result can then end in a bite. The basis for dealing with a fear-biting dog comes with behavioral training and doing things much different than many old school conventional trainers would suggest. You need to build trust and confidence. Doing this slowly and positively. Start with just small steps and low expectations. Establish consistent eye contact in response to saying your dog's name. Start with a desirable treat such as a dried liver using it as a positive reward. Say your dog's name then quickly move away from him. You want your dog to learn to look at you when you say their name then you move. When he moves with you, quickly give him verbal praise and reward him with a treat. A key is to not show the treats until you are ready to feed them. The goal here is to get eye contact from your dog when you say his name. As he gives more eye contact, give treats and praise. Practice this basic training sequence everywhere. Say your pet's name, move, establish eye contact, praise. Give a treat. Counter conditioning is the basis for resolving many behavioral problems. The next time your pet begins to act nervous, distract him or her with a favorite squeaky toy or tasty treat. You're teaching your pet to associate noise with a positive experience. When your pet acts less nervous, then give him or her lots of praise and a treat. Exercise is increasingly seen as a way to help many of our dog's behavioral issues, and fear-biting is one of them. Exercise is wonderful on decreasing anxiety and promoting the positive brain-relaxing chemicals, endorphins. At least give your dog 30 minutes of exercise twice a day. Consider balls to throw at a playing field or use a chuck it. There's a type of therapeutic tea touch called Tellington tea touch which has helped many a pet with noise anxiety. It may help with fear-based anxiety. The most effective area is the ear. Gently hold the ear flap between your thumb and your forefinger. Gently stroke from the base of the ear to the ear tip. Repeat the motion several times, covering different sections of the ear. Use the same fingers to draw tiny circles at the base of the ear. Try both of these techniques in your dog when they're calm. If they react well, and try it the next time he or her appears anxious and fearful. There are two homeopathic remedies that, that have helped with some fear-biting dogs and they may help your dog. Aconite is used in very fearful, restful, restless animals. The dose is 130C tablet per 20 pounds twice daily. Calc Carb is another one. and may be help, more beneficial for those dogs who have fear aggression. Once again, you're looking at a dose of 130C tablet for 10 to 20 pounds of body weight daily. And initially, you know, in a real anxiety-induced situation, you can be giving that every few hours. And then you can start, and if it, it seems to helping your and then you start to give it more regularly every three to four days. So fear biting itself, it really is a serious dog behavioral problem. But if you implement some of those specific suggestions, you really can go a long way to stopping it. You know, start with understanding that you must be patient and only use positive rewards. You know, use my five-step training plan. Say your pet's name, move, establish eye contact, praise, give a treat. And then consider adding in effective natural remedies such as Tellington Tea Touch and the homeopathic aconite. Now let's get on to the second part of the podcast, bee pollen. A super nutrient for five pet problems. Bee pollen is the food of the young honeybee. It is very nutrient dense, containing all the essential amino acids. It's 40% protein, over 20 minerals, including calcium, magnesium, and iron, and over 10 vitamins, including vitamin B, C, E, and D, enzymes, and 14 other beneficial fatty acids. It has a number of health claims, and many of these are now being backed by science. All of these antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and other components are working together to help the heart, skin, immune system, and even fight cancer. So here's some specific benefits first the heart and lungs b pollen contains large concentrations of rutin it's a bioflavonoid that is known to help blood vessels circulation protect the heart and decrease the chance of stroke specifically we use rutin um, for a condition called chylothorax, which is a really strange disease causes an increased amount of fluid that's lymph fluid within the lungs of your and more often it's in cats and that's the only thing of all the different treatments in veterinary medicine that would work weight loss or energy bee pollen is high in protein and increasingly used by those in the gym to increase muscle mass increase energy potentially Increasing metabolism and helping with weight loss, allergies and skin de- skin disease. Um, this is the condition that is getting them. It's getting the most recognition. It is thought when it's topically applied, it stimulates new skin tissue growth, which is great for injuries. People are finding it helpful for aging skin. In animals, some people believe that the big, biggest benefits are orally. Bee pollen reduces the presence of histamine, decreasing the allergic symptoms. Doctor Leo Conway, an MD from Denver, Colorado, reported that ninety-four percent of his Patients were completely free from allergy symptoms once treated with oral feeding of bee pollen. Immune support: There are many nutrients in the pollen which can help boost the immune system. Dr. Mercola, mercola.com, claims that bee pollen has antibiotic-type properties that can help protect the body from contracting viruses. It is also rich in antioxidants that protect the cells from dam- damaging oxidation of free radicals. A stomach gastrointestinal system: Bee pollen contains multiple enzymes that are believed to help in digestion. The enzymes help break down the food properly so they can get all the nutrients from the food. The dose is very typically we're looking at about 1 tablespoon per 100 pounds for dogs. Start with a very small dose and work up from there over a couple of weeks. Now let's get into the third part of today's podcast. And this was uh, based in a story, but the interesting thing, it's just about us and our perception and how, you know, there's all these news reports around, you know, large animals attacking people. But ultimately the researchers came down to the conclusion that when animals attack, humans are largely to blame. You know, large animal attacks and humans are headline grabbing stories. But a new study published in scientific reports shows that such attacks are relatively rare compared with human fatalities caused by other wildlife, and it suggests that the media often overplay large animal attacks on humans, increasing fear and negative attitudes towards such animals. Um, The researchers, led by Vincenzo Pantiero of the Spanish Council for Scientific Research in Spain, say they hope that the results will bring better education to help prevent such attacks in the future. They note that though large carnivore populations are on the rise in developed areas, these increased numbers are not necessarily responsible for the rise in the number of human attacks the increasing number of people who take part in outdoor activities however could be the root of the problem because there's been an increase in the number of large animal attacks on people the researchers say now more than ever there's a need for objective and accurate information until now though there's been few studies available on the topic i mean you know just very little about it so then the researchers went in and established examined wildlife databases that contain information about animal attacks on humans in north america russia and and europe what they found is that half of all large animal attacks result from risky human behavior. The large carnivore attacks the researchers studied including bears, wolves, coyotes, and cougars. They took place between 1955 and 2014. In total there were 697 reported attacks during this period and then the team discovered that the number of attacks had been rising each year. From the data the researchers were able, able to ascertain the circumstances surrounding attacks as well as human activities in the wild. What they found that, that around half of the documented attacks that they were a result of these risk-enhancing human behaviors, which include leaving children unattended in wild areas, allowing dogs to walk off leash, or tracking an animal. They write, the lack of knowledge of people of how to avoid risky encounters with large carnivores engenders risk-enhancing behaviors, which can determine an increase in the number of attacks more humans are sharing the landscape with our large carnivores. This is what they add, prevention and information that can encourage appropriate human behavior when sharing the landscape is of paramount importance reducing the number of attacks. And the last thing they note is that, forget the bear, mosquitoes are more troublesome. They denote that the denominator neglect is a well-studied phenomena, leading people to overestimate the risk of rare events that evoke strong emotions. In other words, you know, we just are so worried about that large bear or that cougar that's going to come out of the woods, where in reality, you know, that's not what we should be focusing on. You know, exaggerating the risk of large animal attacks on people serves to heighten human fear setting off a vicious cycle that may affect the increasing positive conservation status of many of these contentious species in terms of us actually you know setting setting aside large tracts of land so they can actually survive in their wild environment they they call the attention to the fact that the number of attacks on humans by bears for example is minuscule compared to the havoc that smaller animals wreak on humans such as mosquitoes spiders and bees you know mosquitoes are the world's deadliest animal to humans followed by humans themselves and then snakes yeah when they looked and then they even noted that the number of people um, that are killed by animals each year if directly attributed to the mosquito is 725,000 and second is 475,000 people killed each year by other people yes hard to believe the last section of today's podcast i want to talk a little about a little bit about essential oil for pets wonderful things. An essential oil is a concentrated hydrophobic liquid containing a volatile aroma compounds from plants. Essential oils are also known as volatile oils, ethereal oils or simply as the oil of the plant from which they were extracted, such as clove oil. An oil is essential in the sense that it contains the essence of the plant's fragrance, the characteristic fragrance of the plant from which it is derived. The term essential used here does not mean indispensable as with terms like essential amino acid. Essential oils are generally extracted by distillation, often by using steam. Other processes include expression, solvent extraction, resin tapping, cold pressing. They are used in perfumes, cosmetics, soaps, and other products. X. specifically we're talking about medicinal essential oils they've been used in history medical applications include skin treatments cancer treatments and a whole variety of as being lesser appreciated health concerns and i think just what's happened is that there's been a number of misconceptions about essential oils themselves historically they mean the the first documented use of an essential oil for for healing people i mean well over a thousand years ago and i think just right now we're coming to appreciate yet they have a whole potential number of benefits and there are some specific ones Um, that can be very useful no question for our dogs and even for some of our cats so i wanted to start out with the simplest safest one one on one that i use um, in my house i use with my pets that you can start using with yourselves so the big point that veterinarians really are skilled in the diagnosis of disease in animals and should always be consulted especially in situations where symptoms are severe or they persist persist always tell your veterinarian about what natural products you you're using for your pet involve him or her in these decisions but here's a specific answer essential oil that can be used in first aid and is very safe for short-term use lavender oil it's a universal oil can be used pure or undiluted more specifically used in conditioning patients to a safe space it may help with allergies burns ulcers insomnia anxiety car sickness specifically what i'm using lavender for is 100% base for anxiety what i like to use it as similar to a diffuser i'm taking one or two drops of lavender oil and i'm putting it in the center of a room and I'm just letting it slowly diffuse into that room Um, 100% we know now that so many of our cat related disorders are relating to anxiety Um, we started looking at recurrent urinary tract disease and so there's a hundred so there's a specific use that you can be using lavender oil for we also know with our dogs so many of these other anxiety type disorders especially these behavioral disorders where our dogs aren't getting adequate exercise they're spending so much time inside they've sort of in some way lost their purpose that if we can decrease anxiety levels we can see less of these behavioral disorders and of all the you know a variety of different disease diseases and remedies that i discussed this is a really simple one that you can use also beneficial for yourself too a lavender essential oil well thank you guys for listening to today's podcast this is dr jones i hope you got some good information out of it if, if you if you have yet to do so i encourage you to subscribe to my podcast you can do do so on itunes or stitch questions or comments you have two options you can post a comment on my blog at veteransecrets.com forward slash blog or you can send me an email and that's at podcast at veteransecrets.com once again thanks for listening thanks for your feedback and comments. This is Dr. Andrew Jones.